Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, today's study continues the topic of unity as we continue our journey through the book of Ephesians. We'll be in chapter 4, verses 26 through 30. Let's dig in. One of my favorite parts of the Bible, especially in relation to Jesus, might be surprising to you because in that location of the story of Jesus, Jesus shows an emotion that oftentimes is not seen as being holy. Now, the part of the story of Jesus that I'm talking about is the part of the story where Jesus drives out the money changers from the temple. And I went online looking for some pictures of this and uh, in all of the the paintings and renderings that I saw of it, uh, Jesus was a little low key in how they portrayed Jesus. But I think that it is clear that whenever Jesus took a whip to the money changers and turned over their tables. Um, This was something that he was highly emotional about. And I'm going to use the word anger. In fact, the Bible tells us that the whip that Jesus used, he actually set and made himself. And so this was not a flare or a burst of emotion from Jesus out of nowhere. This was, for lack of a better word, premeditated. Now, I know that the podcast listeners will not um, see this photo, so you may have to hop over to Christ Table and uh, check out the Facebook of this so you can see the video. But I love this picture of Jesus with this look on his face that is somewhere between confusion and frustration and anger. And I think that this is a emotion of Jesus that we we don't perhaps many times like to think much about. We don't love the idea of anger. In fact, many of us, men especially, if you grew up in the church, were taught that anger was an emotion that was not appropriate for a Christian. And so uh, I know that many times we can move into this toxic masculinity that encourages anger and encourages us to live in the side of our emotions that are strong and that are bullyish. But I think that we can still be who God made us to be. We can be powerful as men and women, and that we can even express anger and do so in a way that does not cross the line. Now, okay, Pastor Kevin, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to back this up, right? You know, you, you can't just go against the church teaching that I was taught in Sunday school, saying that you know you can't be angry because being angry is a sin. Um, that's that's a bridge too far. Well, Paul actually addresses that today in where we are in Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty six. 
when he says this about anger, don't sin by letting anger control you and don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Okay. So first I'm going to start there at the end for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Paul doesn't say there that anger is the devil's work. Paul says, be careful with anger because what can happen there is that anger could give a foothold to something that is much more dangerous, especially for those who have a propensity for it. Uh, at our in-person gathering yesterday, we um, we had wine uh, there and we had grape juice and, and other things to drink for people who wanted to receive communion. And somebody said to me, uh, bold move, Pastor Kevin, having wine there. And uh, I thought about it and I thought, yeah, I guess for some people it was kind of a a bold move. And uh, a lot of people didn't partake of it. And the reason why a lot of people don't partake in wine is because uh, they know that they have a propensity for crossing the line with it. And so a small drink could lead for some people to a real problem. And so they're teetotalers and that's okay. And I think for anger, it can be that as well. For some people, anger is a gateway drug, a, a small bit of anger or a flash of hostility or allowing yourself to act out of that side of yourself can be a gateway drug into a real treacherous path that goes way off the deep end. But anger may give the devil a foothold for some people, but is not necessarily wrong. Well, first, Jesus showed anger, righteous anger and controlled anger, but Jesus showed anger. Throughout the Old Testament especially, we see God in moments expressing anger, which I think if God expresses anger, it's also not necessarily wrong that we would express anger rightly placed as well. Back to our verse. Paul says, don't sin by letting anger control you. He doesn't say, don't sin by being angry. No, he says, don't sin by letting anger controls you, control you, which means that a, a fair amount of anger in the right place, directed in the right way, can be okay. Then he further says right there in the middle of the verse, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So what we have here in this verse from Paul uh, is really two verses that reflect something that we find in Psalm 4.4. Be angry, but don't sin, Psalm 4.4 says. It doesn't say that anger is a sin. It just says, be angry. It's okay in moments to be angry, but don't sin. And so Paul gives us some boundaries for what it looks like in his mind for anger to cross the line into sin. So anger is not a sin, but two things. A lack of control is a sin. So if we get to the point of our anger being so toxic, toxic masculinity or toxic femininity, where that anger goes too far, where we're no longer in control, Paul says that's sin. But he also says, when he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, that enduring anger is a sin. Now, I think it might be too much to say, if you go to bed angry, um, it's a sin. I don't think that that's what Paul is necessarily 
saying here is that, you know, before sundown, your anger's got to be passed. But I think what he's doing is he's essentially expressing a, a metaphor, the language that, that the language that he's using here in regard to anger is essentially saying to us, um, you need to make sure that your anger is short lived because enduring anger is pointing to some deeper brokenness or sin within you. I think, though, it may be a good thing to say that our anger should be reconciled or diffused before we go to bed. For those of us who are married, I doubly encourage that to be the case. Um, do everything you can. Stay up as long as you need to to, to reconcile those things. That's, um, well, that's always been something that Sally has has strongly encouraged and let out in our family on. Uh, I'm kind of a stuffer, and so uh, I'm just willing to bury things, but Sally isn't. And uh, I think in that way, she expresses a very righteous and holier-than-myself center uh, because she, who I am, you know, wakes me up, we're going to walk through this. And um, it's been a powerful model for me and hopefully one that you will live out as well in your relationships. Verse 28, Paul now moves from anger to stealing. If you're a thief, stop it. Kind of slaps you on the hand there. Quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Um, If we're giving generously, it's going to be very hard for us to thieve from other people. Why? Because those things are mutually exclusive. Thieving or stealing is born out of a heart that is self-focused and is not willing to self-sacrifice. It is selfish, not selfless. And so if we're giving generously to others in need, that's the opposite of selfish. That's selfless. And so I think in a lot of ways, being a person who gives generally is an antidote for a heart attitude of selfishness, of self-focusedness. And Paul says, stop that. Use your hands for good, hard work. Use your hands to to, to bear things yourself rather than taking them or, or stealing them from other people. Thievery is, thievery is in many ways the, the definition of, of the American capitalistic system. Um, business is about get what you can, however you can, and as much as you can in any way that you can. The Bible speaks against that kind of lack of moral and and ethical code. And as followers of the way of Jesus Christ, we need to be modeling that as well. Model generosity. Verse 28. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything that you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. And I think, yeah, that's actually verse 29, even though it says verse 28 on the slide there. Don't use foul or abusive language, but let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Without belaboring the point, what Paul is saying here is when he says foul or abusive language, he means rotten language, words that cause decay, that cause destruction in the minds and the hearts and the lives of other people. Don't tear people down. Don't destroy them with your words. That's 
what happens when something is rotten, the decay infects the things around it and then destroys the good things around it. That's what foul and abusive language does. And it's not it's not talking about four letter words, the F word, the D word, GD, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this is more of a mindset of any words that are used to be destructive, put downs, um, discouragement, uh, harsh language and tone when unnecessary, anything that is foul or abusive or that destroys. And then at the end there, this words will be an encouragement to those who hear. And what he actually says there quite literally is that it gives grace to those who hear it. And so when we avoid speaking in rotten ways, we actually end up giving grace to all who hear or read what we're saying and what we're writing. Now, we can be strong in our words. We can be bold in our words. We can be direct and authentic in our words, but we can't always do that in ways that are kind and that give grace and that don't cause destruction, but that hopefully, even in challenging others, build them up. You know, sometimes we talk about communion, the bread and the cup as being a means of grace and that it gives grace to anyone who receives that meal. Paul says, I'm going to add something to that. It's not just the bread of communion. It's not just the cup of communion, but it's also the words that you use every single day that can be a means of grace for other people. And then verse 30, he essentially sums up what he's already said. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. We started this in our last study when we talked about uh, lying. And so whether it's lying or whether it's anger or whether it's thieving or whether it's the words that we use, any of those things can bring sorrow to God's spirit by the way we live. And maybe what we need to do if we find ourselves having a propensity to live in those ways is to remember, finishing out verse 30 here, that he has identified you as his own. You're no longer yours. Your, your body, your mouth, your hands, your mind, all of those things are no longer essentially yours. They are God's and they are his tools to use for the redemption of the world. So don't forget that. God needs you. Allow yourself to be used. We all have rough edges, whether it's lying, anger, stealing, or using our mouths in the wrong ways. We all have some rough edges here or there. Work on it. And remember how important it is to live well. It's about redemption, not just yours the redemption of the world and God needs to use you he wants to use you and me in order to make that happen this Bible study from the book of Ephesians is brought to you by Christ's table if you'd like to join us in the study there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes we'd love to have you join us you know 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year we at Christ's Table are committed to doing something about that. 
We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I'm going to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as I continue a step-by-step study through the book of Ephesians. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well over at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.